listening to KPFA and KPFB, KFCF in Fresno. Up next, cover to cover, open book. Welcome to Cover to Cover, Open Book, and also Javelin's Bistro. I am your host for the next half hour, Javelin Richards. And today, we are bringing you a sneak peek that's going to be happening at the Marsh Afro Solo Festival 2014. And so, we'll be talking about some of the work that they'll be sharing with you. Again, that's a sneak preview at the Marsh Run. That is July 21st. Uh, 2014, of course, and it's at 7.30, and the director of the program, Thomas Simpson, will be on. I'm going to actually ask him to possibly have a couple tickets to give away. That would be so lovely. And if that happens, we'll, uh, I would say, if you call in, uh, let's pick two even numbers, two and caller number two and four. As we get the program started, you would call 510-484-4425. That's 510 510- Eight four eight four four two five, and I think Thomas will accommodate us with two tickets to the um, sneak preview uh, at the Marsh. That's in San Francisco on July twenty first, seven thirty show. That's a Monday night, and that's at ten sixty two Valencia Street. And today's guest, we Thomas will be on the phone in a second to say hello to everybody and to share what's going on. And then we have Lance Burton; he'll be on to talk about his solo performance work. And then in the studio with me is Stephanie Ann Johnson; she's performing every twenty. One Days, Cancer, Yoga, and Me, and Lance is performing The Irrelevance of Being being Relevant. So, Thomas, are you here? I'm here. How are you doing there, Ms. Javelin? I'm doing good, Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very good. Thanks for having us on. Oh, absolutely. And Lance, are you with us? I'm there. Oh, good. So, Thomas, I know you are absolutely in the thralls of busyness. That's all I've ever known you is busy like the wind. So, you started Afro Solo, and now uh, what what uh, year are we in with uh, Afro Solo? Actually, we are into our 20th anniversary. We had our first Afro Solo Arts Festival back in 1994. So, this being uh, 2014 gives us 20 years. 20 years of bringing solo performance art into the Bay Area. And actually, this is one of the only ones of its kind. Is that correct? As far as I know, it's the only one that focuses on African Americans performing works, telling stories about our lives, our experiences, and of course, you know, people from the African diaspora also. Okay, absolutely. And then I, I mentioned that you might be, we might be able to give away a couple tickets? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So, again, this caller, uh, oh, we have a caller already. Kurt Young has called in. He didn't even oh, Kurt, wait. Oh, he didn't oh, even. Kurt? He, no, Kurt is one of the audience. Oh, wait a minute. Kurt, oh, okay. Kurt is on the phone. I'm, Kurt, hello. Oh. Okay, and Kurt's performing If God Wanted Me to Fly. All right, let's get started. So, Thomas, this is the probably the only one. And what this this year's theme, what was the focus for you? Well, that, the theme is sort of an unofficial theme, but the theme for me is diving deeper into culture. 
Okay. Okay. And what brought these artists, for you to choose these artists to work and to bring them into the public eye, to tell their stories, to deepen uh, our understanding of um, the black experience uh, uh, globally? Yes, that's correct. And what brought that, what brought them to you that you said, these are the artists I need to have out here this year? Well, you know, during the year, our chemists got around and see what's bubbling up. Mm-hmm. the themes that are bubbling up, the people that are bubbling up, the work that's coming forth, and then seeing and talking and hearing some of the work that these particular artists are doing, I kind of had my eye on them, okay. my post on them, and as we got closer to making decisions about the festival, these are three of the ones that I wanted to have be able to tell their stories as part of our lives experiences. The title of the, the, this series is Black Voices, our lives, our experiences. Okay. All right. And so you're going to give two tickets away to our listening audience. And so let's start with some of the, the people you had a pulse on and wanted to, uh, for their story to be told. Let's start with Lance. Lance? Yes. The irrelevance of being relevant. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we are uh, right now in uh, 2014. It's an interesting position we find ourselves in. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, as um, I drove off of, uh, some folks may not be familiar with uh, the freeway 280 off-ramp coming off 6th Street, and you roll up into downtown San Francisco, and as you go up 6th Street, it's almost like you're looking at the Night of the Living Dead. It's so sad that, um, you know, so many of our brothers uh, and sisters are just kind of roaming around, uh, not finding their way, and um, it, it just looks looks sad. And that, to me, that's, that's very relevant. But that conversation uh, is nowhere on the front burner. And I keep hearing people talk about let's – we need to have a conversation about race. And um, – but – no one seems to understand or or have a good way of uh, delving into the topic. In regards to race itself. Yes. And Thomas, that's a part of the work you've been you've been doing for the last couple decades. Yes. Bringing yes. that topic into the forefront with different artists, black artists, uh, to share their stories, their voices. And using art as the vehicle to do that. Oh, and Lance, you came in first. You were in first grade when the Arkansas students were escorted. Nine black students were escorted into Central High School. That's right. That was in September, the fall of, of uh, 1957. Uh, my granddad was here in San Francisco already and had seen how the president was sending these troops down there and thought, well, you know what, that's no way for young people to have to, you know, get into school. Uh, and so he came right down and picked us up in October of 57 and brought us back to San Francisco. We landed in the Fillmore, and it was jumping. And, you you know, when you say that to me, it, make, it makes me realize, as you said, your grandfather saw that and realized that's no way for folks. And I think we're kind of looking for folks now in our lives and in theater, and I think that's what Thomas is bringing, people that care to bring us up out of, to, to know there's a disturbance in the human uh, condition. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it was amusing, uh, and I look back on it today uh, as... I, I often wonder what would it have been like for me to have stayed in Arkansas um, 
because a lot of those kids down there were getting a great education, actually. And, um, you know, you have all the historic black colleges that are down in the South. And to come to San Francisco at that time, at that point, was, uh, uh, there's a, uh, you know, dichotomy there in the San Francisco public school system was, to some extent, I think, in decline for black folks. And we've seen that that uh, arc take place over the last 50 years. As, you know, our young black students in San Francisco public schools are just just dying on the vine. And, and, and that's a sad commentary for a, a, a city that supposedly is uh, tolerant and progressive, has a lot of wealth, uh, supposedly cares about people, but I, I don't see it. And so you're going to address some of this inside of your solo performance work on the 21st at the March. I don't want to be heavy-handed about it, but I, I kind of want to just, my, my story kind of uh, goes over the notion of having come here, having lived through my life, seems like an experiment. <laughs> when we start talking about busing and affirmative action and to Proposition 209, being in the Haight-Ashbury of the hippie movement, the student strike, all these episodes that are to some extent uh, flashpoints in the uh, way the culture has evolved in the United States over the last 50 or so years. And, uh, you know, we were living right in the middle of it at that time. And whether I benefited from it greatly or I was, um, you know, challenged, certainly challenged by it, but was it a, you know, was it a debilitating factor? Um, uh, you know, I, I was at... I was uh, in the middle of the Vietnam protest against the war, and the uh, draft ended, right, just as I was about to become drafted. And I ended up in the lottery, and my number was really, really high, so I missed it. But I, I thought about that the other day, and it's been 40-something years since the draft. And, and so you're in this piece, you're looking at the state of being here, and a lot of the programs were experimental, and what what is the result of that, and what's the result of that? And then I'm going to move a little bit over here to Kurt. Kurt, if God wanted me to fly. Yes, indeed. That's the name of your piece. That's the name of my piece. That's that's a quote from my late grandfather, my father's father, who we use quite often when the family would share that we were on a vacation and we flew somewhere because he never believed in flying. So it's a, it a term that he used quite often. It's a quote that he used quite often that describes his personality because him, because uh, he never had his feet off the ground. However, he encouraged us to fly. And he encouraged us to see the world. But the piece is an auto, autobiographical piece about the last time I spent time with my grandfather. And he was ailing greatly at that time. And it was a very awkward um, moment because he didn't have the capacity to have a coherent conversation. And there's so many things that I wanted to share with him from a very personal point of view that I just didn't know how to because he didn't have the capacity to follow a conversation. So, and that, and that being said, I found something that was simple enough and symbolic enough that we can have a conversation and we can have an exchange. And it was basically about his article of clothing because I was in his bedroom. And it's about his clothing and we discussed his clothing. And during that time, I took a world trip. And when I was on my trip, my grandfather passed away and I came back to the United States. I came back to Kansas City. To, uh, to be with my family and uh, 
and I had to wear his clothing to his funeral. And those very clothes that we discussed are the clothes that I wore to his services. And then I continued on with my journey, and those clothes traveled with me all around the world. So everywhere I went, my grandfather was with me. So although he did not physically fly, the spirit, the essence, his DNA flew with me. And so the, that, so as soon as I returned home to San Francisco, it just hit me. I said, wow, my grandfather did fly. Oh, and although physically he didn't leave, he didn't, he didn't leave the earth, but his, his essence traveled with me in all these, these exotic locations that I visited. So it's, it's, a, it's a dedication to him. It's a dedication to my family. Um, it's a dedication to the love and, and appreciation that I have um, for my family. And also just when, when awkwardness is a reality, what does one do? Um, it's so interesting because people tell me what I should have done. But when things are awkward, you don't know what to do. And so I found something that was the, the, the easiest and most convenient. And I didn't realize it until the time. And I didn't realize that his clothes would be so symbolic for myself and for my family um, during his passing. You're listening to Kurt Young speak about his piece, If God Wanted Me to Fly. You would just listen to Lance Burden, The Irrelevance of Being Relevant, and also Thomas Simpson, who started Afro Solo um, Fest, and that there will be a sneak preview of the work at, of Afro Solo Arts at the March on the 21st of July at 7.30. If you want tickets, do give a call at 510-84. 84425 and the the other person that's going to be a part of that is Stephanie Ann Johnson and she's performing every 20 days cancer yes before Stephanie hello Stephanie I yes. hope you're doing fine I'm going to have to drop off yes to get to my next appointment but I want to thank you uh, thank you listeners and I invite everyone to come out and see our performances absolutely Thompson thank you so much for the incredible work you're doing and I know how intense it has been just in being able to witness you as an artist so thank you for the gift you're bringing to the Bay Area and, and globally and no. thanks for the tickets alright thank you uh, just give me a call let me know we'll do uh, the guest will be. Okay, we'll All do. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Stephanie, every 20 days, Cancer, Yoga, and Me, your journey. Yeah, quite a journey, and I'm sorry that I didn't catch it, but there's a typo in here, and most people who are cancer survivors will understand that it's every 21 days. Ah, oh, every 21 it's days. every three weeks. Okay. Okay, so this is a personal story about you being diagnosed with cancer in December 2012. That's correct. Okay, and you're bringing it to the stage. Tell why is this important for you to have gone through this journey? Because it's two years later that you were diagnosed, so it's it has to be on some level still raw, and and yet you're going to walk out on stage with two of your artistic collaborators, Lance and Kurt, and do your thing. Tell us why. Well, it's you know one of the ways that I healed, and next month will be a year since I finished my chemo treatments. They ended in August. They started in uh, April, I believe it was. And this work is very important because it's a plague. Cancer is a plague, and so many people have been affected by it. And I didn't know that until I myself was affected by it. Um, and so it's a very important story to remember those who have passed. One of the people I talk about uh, who died from cancer is Denitra Vance, who was the first black uh, repertory member of Saturday Night Live. 
So there's really some significance to all of this. And there's also some humor. I spend uh, uh, the first part of my piece talking about white people and yoga um, and the appropriation of a practice that, you know, came from India. And now you see it everywhere in the Bay Area. You see it nationally. And um, just how, uh, to use Lance's title, to, to how irreverent people can be about uh, this practice, which is both spiritual and physical. So, in moving into the piece, what is it uh, in terms of healing? What has it been like for you? Where can you give us a snapshot of a moment where you knew very clearly that it was through your writing uh, that you were having a healing moment, a passage to get through whatever those moments of being dealing with an illness? Well, you know. As anybody who's been through any <clears throat> major medical procedure knows, <clears throat> the hardest part is when you're waiting to find out what in the world it is. And I remember as I was going through uh, the surgery, which went longer than expected, and I'll talk about that in my piece, um, I remember that a word, the words came to me from the ancestors, and they said, write your way out. Mm write your way out so I wrote this play beginning last uh, <clears throat> April and I wrote it real time meaning that I was going through chemo I had just had surgery and I wrote it as it was happening you know that's something I, I was listening to Tyler Perry the other day talk about the fact he was listening to Oprah uh, in one of her shows and one of the things that he heard was to, to take pen to paper what, and you can take that anywhere you want to go to your computer however uh, and write your way through things and to share your story in order to do the, for the healing process so I want to ask each of you a question uh, now so the listening audience uh, listening, and I think we have a couple callers that are going to be coming to the show. So then they think, oh my gosh, now Lance is going to be talking about um, some of the experimentation of different programs in, um, in terms of the black community. And then Kurt is, is going to talk about the passing of his grandfather. And then Stephanie's going to talk about, you know, surviving cancer. And then people listen, and everybody's in a feel good kind of a thing collectively for the most part, like make me feel good. And this, on the, the top of it, it sounds like these are some pretty heavy-duty things. Tell, I want each of you to tell me something from, just what that means to you if I, when I say that, if that's what people are thinking, and why would a person come? I mean, it, those who love art are coming because they love art, but why would, why would we come? What are some of the gems about these pieces that bring us here? Lance, you want to take a moment to share that? Lance? Did we lose Lance? Okay, I think we lost Lance. Kurt? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. So, what is it about your piece that would, that even though it's it's the sadness, it, on the front of it sounds sad, tell us about the core of it. Well, in actuality, it is, it is, it is sad, but it, it's a, it's a life experience that we all go through. This is one of the many things that none of us are excluded from, and that's the birth and the passing of someone that we love. And so the piece is written from the point of view of the fact that, yes, my grandfather passed on, but it's also about how the, es the essence of him lived with me when after the passing. 
and how symbolically he flew with me around the world. Symbolically that I use this story now. It's been 10 years since my grandfather passed and I, and I have shared it with his, his, his children and how touched they were by it because it gave them a perspective to see this experience from my eyes. You know, they, every, we all have our perspective on how we see something. We all sit in a room, but we all have our own positioning and what we see. So it gave them a perspective of what I saw. And so, in, necessary, in, in essence, yes, it sounds like it's a, it's a heavy-duty story about the loss of life. But it's also about, yes, life was lost, but it's also about the energy of how life continues and how the grand, me being the grandson and this very fact that I'm talking about his clothing, instead of his clothing being discarded, being put in a closet and forgotten forever, I brought some energy and some light and some artistic value to them. And now I'm sharing this to, with the world where in, individuals can reflect on their own family um, and their own um, individuals that they interact with and find that value and find that healing possibility. Because I've heard that as well where, where I've performed it once and... Someone said, wow, I, I never really had a great relationship with my grandparents, but it just made me think about the values of what we did have. It may not have been much. So it, it will tap the heart. You know, it may cause a tear to, to fall. It may feel, make someone feel sad for a moment. But the opportunity is at least you're bringing back that you're, you're seeing a possibility of what you did have with someone that you loved, either a, a blood family member or, or our spiritual family that we uh, absorb and that we accumulate as we live our lives. And I appreciate you reminding, reminding us that this is a process that we all experience um, personally and then ourselves. But I, and I also like the fact that it sounds like that you've opened up another way to look at the wonderfulness and to have love by, by your taking something that your grandfather said, if God meant us to fly, but he wanted his children to fly, to, to move into that future part of existence, and then you putting his clothes on and taking his essence with you as a whole other way of loving and bringing that back to his own children. So that part of loving is so, is so wonderful. And Grandfather Father seems to be important in your stories, and also Lance, you're back with us, right? I am. Yeah, where the question I put out there is that the stories, you know, stories sometimes feel heavy, and they're some of the best ones. We love that. We love to cry, and we love to to uh, do that, open our hearts up. And I was asking each of you, what is it about the story for those that are saying, oh, I don't feel like crying right now, that you say, yeah, but then there's also this. Well, you know, crying is an interesting thing uh, for me. Um, I, as I grew up in the 60s and all that great music and those wonderful poets uh, like Holland Dozier Holland and, you know, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff and Smokey Robinson, of course, and the music just, you know, touched the soul. And, 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 and it's difficult for me to see it today. In fact, I worked in the record business for a short period of time. And when I walked out of it, I didn't want to have anything to do with the music that was coming on back in the 1980s. 1980s, but th th those songs made me uh, infatuated virtually every single day. You know, and I carried a song around in my head that from those folks, and it's just beautiful. And 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 so um, I long for that kind of moment to kind of come back. And, and you are, are you going to be sharing some of that music inside your work uh, on stage? I don't want to. 
I, I don't want to, you know, mess anybody's <laughs> appreciation for music up by throwing my voice into it. But yes, yes. That's funny. That's funny, Lance. <laughs> so, Stephanie. But wait, before we move on, Lance, I want to share with the audience that you and I had a pre-interview. And one of the things you said that was so delightful was that you were sharing that the music that you grew up with that was so full of love sort of set the bar, the standard for you of how to love. That that's what you wanted and that's what you wanted to give. And I had to share with you, I just heard someone also speak of Nat King Cole. And they said that once they heard Nat King Cole sing his love songs, that that was it. That's how they wanted to love and that's how they wanted to be loved. And I was like, hmm. Okay. They say we're too young to love. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go. So you're listening uh, to everybody. You're listening to a sneak preview of Afro solo artists that'll be there. Before you run, can I just say yes. one brief thing? Yes. Uh, this is about cotton money. Cotton money. Yeah, you talk. Tell us about cotton money. Well, you know, cotton money. There's a thread from. Uh, you know, people say, you're out of your cotton-picking mind, yeah, right? Yeah. And so c- cotton was the central economic force as we began to create industry in the United States. And it there was a, you know, cotton money put the man on the moon. Cotton money is the, is the basis for the tech sector today. Mm. And black, black folks ain't got none of that money. Mm. And if, just think. African-American community would be like if we re- realized the money we should have gotten for mm-hmm. picking that cotton and weaveling those seeds and, and creating the loom that is the model for the binary code that sits in every mm-hmm. disc and every device that we handle today. Oh. That's cotton money. That's cotton money. Thank you, Lance, for that education. You know, it's not, it's going to be a, such a rich year. I've attended Afro Solo in the past. It's such a rich and wonderful experience, and I love the audience. So audience members that are listening, it's such a rich, wonderful, and the conversations that go on and the sneak preview and the marsh is such a lovely space to, to be always there's so much work that Stephanie Weiss does over there and then partnering with Thomas to bring the work and again that's Monday July 21st 2014 of course at 730 and that's 1062 Valencia Street and for tickets you can uh, visit the site of the marsh.org or call 415-282-3055 there is a three dollar phone fee for that but the tickets at night are 750 $7.50 cents so that's your cappuccino Hello. Yeah, there it is. There's your cappuccino. Yeah, you don't have to be jittery that day. Go come on down and see some wonderful performance and work. And with this story of being human, I think we're going. I'm going to be. That's going to be so fantastic, Stephanie. Yes. So, you. I mean, absolutely. The story is healing. Tell us why it's okay for someone to come and hear this story. That it's okay if it's a boo boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all. Hey, Lance. Hey, Kurt, DJ. Um, My piece goes uh, thematically along with what what they're talking about, which is that we are the living embodiment of our ancestors. You know, we're still here. Yeah. We're doing the work. They paved the way. They made sacrifices. They worked hard. Uh, They were not compensated fairly. But we're here, and we're still here. We're here, yeah. Ashe. So that's what would bring somebody to come and see my piece. I'm still here. 
the three times that I've done this as a work in progress, people have come up to me, a lot of people, and thanked me for bringing this to the stage. Because mothers, brothers, sisters, twins, cousins, everybody has been affected by this everybody. in some way. Everybody. And so uh, it's very important for it not to be in the shadows. Um, you know, on the level of policy, it's very important that we understand that there needs to be research done and that we can, if it has not already been created, we can find a cure. People don't need to have this horrible suffering that they're going through. And they don't have to do it alone. And they do not have to do it alone. I talk a lot about my community. Um, and, you know, it, 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 so people should come because this is a human experience that we're all going through right now in the 21st century. And to understand it, because if you're not going through it yourself, you, you need to be supporting somebody who is. So I want to thank my guest today as we end the show. You've been listening to Lance Burden, The Irrelevance of Being Relevant, Stephanie Ann Johnson, Every 21 Days, Cancer Yoga and Me, Kurt Young, and I've been your host, Javelin. I'll see you later. Javelin's Bistro, no reservations. Thank you, sister. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everybody. more people include charitable organizations in their wills or other estate plans if you're thinking about your estate plans kpfa would appreciate it if you would consider us as a non-profit non-commercial broadcaster kpfa relies heavily on individual donors and would appreciate your legacy gift for more information about including us in your estate plans contact us through our website at kpfa.org support Do you have a car or other vehicle hanging around that either doesn't run or you just don't need anymore? Consider donating it to the KPFA Car Donation Program. Call the Center for Car Donations at 877-411-3662 and let them know that you'd like to contribute your vehicle to KPFA. Or visit kpfa.org for more information.